coworker there uh, started to sexually harass her, and so she reported it. And what happened? Nothing. Six months later, that same coworker sexually harassed a student and was fired on the spot. We asked our friend what that felt like, and she said, it felt like they were saying to me, you don't count. When you are mistreated, nothing will happen. But if that happens to a student whose parents pay tuition, action will be taken immediately. One of the most painful things you and I can ever be told is you don't count. Now, usually those exact words are not used. But they don't need to be because the message comes through loud and clear. Maybe you grew up receiving that message that you don't count. Maybe you were the middle child and they had already taken a thousand pictures of your older sister or brother. Or maybe you had a sibling who had needs, maybe very legitimate medical needs, for example, that just meant your parents needed to focus there. And in your childhood heart, you felt that you didn't count. Maybe your parents had an addiction. Maybe they were very much into pick something, sports, and you weren't. And so you felt that way. Maybe, maybe you were overweight. At an early age, you realized, I will not be cast for the lead role. As one person told me who's had a long, hard struggle to lose weight, shame uses every mistake you make and every vulnerable moment to tell you over and over that you are not important, not good enough, and not worthy. Many single people in the church are made to feel you don't count. Elderly people often, in effect, you don't count. Do you have a disability? You don't count. For almost 100 years in our country, America's entire legal system told hundreds of thousands of people, you don't count. At the Constitutional Convention, our leaders came up with a compromise that slaves would be counted as three-fifths of a person. If you were black and free, you counted as a whole person and you could vote, but if we still enslaved you, you were in effect 60% of a human being and you will never vote. You don't count. What does that feel like? Howard Thurman, uh, a theologian who influenced Martin Luther King greatly, tells us his own grandmother had been enslaved on a plantation in Florida. And he wrote this. He said, in a society in which certain people or groups by virtue of economic power, social power, political power, have dead weight advantages over others who are essentially without that kind of power, those who are thus disadvantaged know that they cannot fight back effectively, that they cannot protect themselves, that they cannot demand protection from their persecutors. Any slight conflict, he says, any alleged insult, 
any vague whim, any unrelated frustration may bring down upon the head of the defenseless the full weight of naked physical violence. There are few things more devastating, Thurman says, than to have it burned into you that you do not count and that no provisions are made for the literal protection of your person. Tonight we enter Holy Week. And we cannot enter into this week without coming face to face with the shocking fact that when God entered our world in Jesus Christ, he chose to become one who did not count. His entire life, he felt that. Over and over, he was treated as three-fifths of a person. Walk with me through the ten ways Jesus became someone who doesn't count. Number ten. When you're considered illegitimate, you don't count. Jesus' mother conceived when she was not married, and he grew up seeing that knowing smirk. Yeah, we, we know about you. Your mom wasn't even married. Number nine. When you're poor, you don't count. Jesus felt the, the sting of growing up poor in a place that nobody wanted to live. People used to say, can anything good come out of that town? Which sounds like no big deal, unless you've done it. I knew a guy who grew up uh, dirt poor in a small town, and he still talks about how hard it was in college, working his way through as a waiter in rich kids' frat houses, and then going home to a barely heated attic room and trying to work his way through. That cuts deep. Number eight, when people think you're demonic or insane, you don't count. An entire crowd once told Jesus, you are demon-possessed. Another time, his family, his mother and his siblings, came to get him in front of other people because... They thought he was insane and was embarrassing the family. They were trying to protect him from himself. Number seven. When people hate you so much they want you dead, you don't count. Quote, all the people were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. Jesus spent his whole life feeling people's scorn, rejection, disapproval, whisperings, mutterings, and dark looks. He was despised and rejected by mankind like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Number six. When a friend sets you up to be arrested, you don't count. You recruited him, you trained him, you spent virtually every day together for three years, and then he turned on you. And why? So he could make money off you. By being an informant, he could get about $4,000. And he chose the money over you. Number five, when you are arrested you realize you don't count. 
Imagine your name going out on the web because you were just arrested. This happened to a friend of mine once, and he cut me off as a Facebook friend because he couldn't deal with the shame of it. Number four, when no one speaks up for you, you don't count. You've been arrested, and you know you didn't do anything wrong, and you're just waiting for everyone to speak up for you and take your defense, and nobody does. By oppression and judgment, he was taken away, the prophet says. Yet who of his generation protested? And there's a long silence because the answer is nobody. There was no hashtag, free our rabbi. The reason there was no protest is because pretty much everybody thought, you're getting what you deserve. Number three. When you are spit on, you don't count. Most of us would much rather be slapped like Chris Rock was than spit on. To, be, to, to spit on someone is about the most degrading, hate-filled thing you can do. And Jesus knew this was coming. He told his disciples, the Son of Man will be handed over to the Romans. He will be mocked, treated shamefully, and spit upon. And still, he chose to keep walking toward Jerusalem. Number two, when you are executed in the most humiliating way available, you don't count. There were many ways for the Roman legal system to dismiss, uh, get rid of a prisoner. The sword was quick and relatively painless. Instead, for Jesus, they chose an obscenely shameful death, one reserved for slaves, one designed to dial up the amount of obscenity and devaluation. Stripping him naked, then hanging him where people could walk by and make fun of him. A sign was fastened above him, and Jesus gets nailed just like that sign. He's a piece of lumber. He's paralyzed there on two beams, and there he prays this psalm, but as for me, I am a worm and no man scorned by all and despised by the people. Number one, when you're dying and instead of people helping you, they taunt and mock you, you know you don't count. The people passing by shouted abuse. Look at you now, they yelled at him. You said you were going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Well then, if you're the son of God, save yourself and come down from the cross, which is very funny. He's paralyzed. The leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders also mocked Jesus. He trusted God, so let God rescue him now if he wants him. And even one of the criminals on death row with him tears him down. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. We must ask, why? Why? Why would Jesus, who did not deserve any shame, take on all that shame? Jesus is the one through whom all things were created. As our creator, why would he go through the worst things that any creature could suffer? Jesus Christ is the one who has supremacy in everything. 
why would he willingly choose to go to the abyss of human degradation? He could have called 60,000 warrior angels and been out of this in a heartbeat, but he didn't do that. Why? The Bible tells us. One of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God? Even when you're dying, when you've been sentenced to die, we deserve to die for our crimes. But this man hasn't done anything wrong. And then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what does Jesus tell him? I'm sorry. You made some bad choices. There are consequences. You made your bed. No, he says, I assure you, today, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Jesus becomes one who does not count so that he can rescue ones who do not count. If the only way for him to rescue somebody who's on death row is by going there and being killed himself, he will do it. Where in your life have you felt you don't count? Your divorce, gay longings, your body shape or size, your habit that bedevils you, it hasn't gotten much better and probably worse. Jesus became three-fifths of a person. So he could say to you and to me who are so often told you don't count, he can say you do count. You do matter. I want you. And I assure you, today and tomorrow and for every day thereafter, you will be with me and I will be with you. Have we taken in just what God feels about us? What he has done for us? My friend Tim recently met a student at Duke Divinity School, and she told him this. She said, I always felt God was against me, annoyed at me, desirous that I pull my act together, even disgusted at me. The switch for me began when I started reading the words Jesus said, do you not know me after all this time? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And what went on, the light that went on for her was that Jesus really was God, and God really was for me. She says, it was like God's gag reflex toward me was removed, and it had never really been there. She said, I, I, I did feel that I disgusted God until it became clear to me that Jesus' life was a love letter from God. A few years ago, a, uh, a woman named Colleen Dykeman, who lives in, in New York State, realized on a Monday morning that her engagement and wedding rings weren't on her finger. And she thought back, and she trying to remember the last time she knew that for sure that she'd had them, 
and she had taken them off while cleaning up the kitchen after dinner the night before. And, but now they were nowhere in the kitchen. And then she panicked and realized, oh my gosh, I know what I did. I took them off my hand while I was cleaning up. They were on the counter when I was sweeping a lot of stuff in the trash. They went with it. So she went out to look in the trash can, which was out on the curb, but it was Monday morning and the garbage trucks had already come by and taken the trash. These rings had been on her hand for 20 years. So she got in her car and drove like a crazy woman and chased down the garbage truck. And uh, the driver, seeing how upset she was, called his boss and said, what do I do? And the boss said, it's okay, stop your route, bring it on back to the dump, and we'll see what happens. So there, Colleen and her husband began to dig. A, a town worker named Jeremy said she was ripping through garbage, disgusting stuff. And she wouldn't stop, so finally town workers, there were eight of them ultimately, felt like they had to jump in and help her, and so they did. After almost four hours, they had gone through six tons of garbage when Colleen finally found her garbage bags. And, but when she looked through them, there, she couldn't find the rings inside. So a town employee named Kim said, look, I, I, I'm just doing a double check for you. You're upset, let me just look for you again. And she finally found those rings. They were between soggy cereal and spoiled meat. And there they were, the diamonds. Has someone trashed you? I have news for you. Jesus will wade through six tons of garbage for you and get you back. If you've been told you don't count, Jesus Christ became one who does not count so he could rescue you and tell you you do. Amen.